Pads on tomorrow, baby, as Broncos head coach Vic Fangio was fired up for Tuesday because the Broncos, they will be in pads for the first time. We recap Monday's practice at the UCL Training Center. Did Teddy Bridgewater bounce back some other Broncos news and notes? We break it down and we react all on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are Locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of the show. Lockdown Broncos is your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos analyst for Nine News and the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Follow the podcast at Lockdown Broncos on your favorite audio podcasting platform, not to mention hit that subscribe button on YouTube for daily exclusive Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage in video format all year long here on YouTube. But ladies and gentlemen, today's episode of the show is brought to you by our good friends over there, rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'll tell you about them a little bit later on, but let's get into our Broncos day five news and notes. Our reaction from Monday's practice at the UCL Training Center. Uh, it really, some of the storylines heading into this weekend, Teddy Bridgewater had a rough day on Saturday. One of the questions we had on Monday's episode, Lockdown Broncos, was will he have a bounce-back day in day five? You want to see that in an ongoing quarterback competition. How does a player respond from a bad day? Now, we've seen Drew Locke, when he had a bad day previously last week, he bounced back the next day with a big performance. Same thing here with Teddy Bridgewater. He bounced back in a big way on Monday in Broncos practice. He tested the ball downfield several times. He found Deontay Spencer for a 50-yard touchdown. He found Jerry Judy for a 40-plus yard pass downfield. Same thing with Corlin Sutton. So Teddy wasn't hesitant testing the ball downfield on Monday, which, look, I think that was a great test and a great evaluating factor for what fans want to see from Teddy. Now, here's the deal. We've talked about this, the narrative about Teddy Bridgewater and the narrative you're seeing circulated on Twitter and articles and different radio stations is that Teddy Bridgewater is a check down guy. There's too many check downs. And I think that the definition of check down has been lost amongst fans, amongst football fans. Now, ideally, as a former player, as a coach, what I consider to be a check down is when your coverage options, like if I'm the offense, if I'm a quarterback, if I'm going to my first read, a wide receiver, he's not there. If I'm going to my second and third reads after that simultaneously and they're covered up, the check down would be resorting to the last option, which would be more than likely you're running back out of the backfield on a swing route, a flat route, or an angle route, or the safe route. So many people confuse short passes as checkdowns. That's not necessarily the case. Now, I do think that the concern with Teddy Bridgewater, and this is the valid criticism based on what we've seen from Teddy on film previously in his career, in the last couple of years, specifically with the Carolina Panthers, was that if it was a third and nine play, sometimes you would see Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball maybe six yards, maybe seven yards when you need nine. That to me is not a check down, folks. That is just not throwing it, not taking that depth of field that you need to in order to maybe move the chains. Now, if you're throwing the ball, for example, on first and 10 and you throw it six yards downfield, guess what? It's either going to be second and 10 or it's going to be second and four. You like that. You want to be able to move the ball forward in a positive manner. Now, the Broncos' problem last year, regardless of 
quarterback, whether it was Drew Locke, Brett Rippon, Jeff Driscoll last season, was that they would go backwards far too often on first down. And a lot of that is not being able to run the ball efficiently. So for Teddy Bridgewater, I think for him on Monday, taking those shots downfield and testing it, testing against guys like Patrick Sertan and coverage, who Jerry Judy had on a corner route, those are what you want to see from Teddy. You know, a lot of people say he plays it safe, right? And he came out in his media press conference earlier on in the summer, and he said, I've always been known as the guy that kind of takes what the defense gives me. If they're going to cover the deep options, you're not going to throw it deep. Why would you do that? Because the reality of the situation is if I'm a cornerback, if I'm covering deep and I know I've got it covered and that quarterback still throws it deep, I'm going to shield the wide receiver. I'm going to go up and I'm going to make a play on the football. That's what we're talking about there in terms of taking shots. Now, there is a different realm when it comes to analyzing the nuances of the quarterback position. Now, I think a lot of times what we are not seeing from training camp reports is when a player like Teddy or Drew Locke, when they throw an interception, we're seeing these different narrative pieces coming out. We're seeing, okay, well, this guy had a pass deflected to the line of scrimmage. Well, here's the reality of the situation. Okay, defensive linemen, they're going to tip passes up in the air. Interceptions are going to happen because of that. I don't necessarily think we can indict any quarterback or criticize them essentially on those things. However, where we can criticize quarterbacks is decision-making. Now, Teddy Bridgewater on Monday had a much better day in terms of his decision-making. The Broncos, they engaged in a move-the-ball-down-the-field period, and Teddy did just that. And it led to a couple of field goal opportunities from Brandon McManus. He hit one from 65. He hit one from 50. He missed a 47-yard field goal wide to the left, but outside of that, moving the ball downfield, coming away on drives with points. Yes, you don't want to always settle for field goals, but you want to take points. I'd take three points rather than zero any time of the day. So Teddy excelled in that area. Drew in the team period had some struggles there. He was able to connect with Melvin Gordon on a fourth and seven in the red zone against the Broncos' first team defense, finding Melvin Gordon. Threw the ball to him as fourth and seven. Melvin Gordon caught it about the two-yard line, and then he got into the end zone. Touchdown Denver, but Teddy had an efficient showing in the red zone period as well, connecting with Levante Bellamy and Austin Fort for two subsequential touchdowns following that. So the thing I look at in this quarterback competition, and the one thing you're going to get here on the podcast, we're going to look at everything. Was the ball placement by a quarterback good? Did, did he throw it too far inside? Did he throw it too far outside? Did he throw it into a bad window? That's what we're going to get into the discussion about coming up here in just a moment because one Broncos defensive player, a Broncos rookie, by the way, had a fantastic day at Broncos camp. He made a play, had an interception, his first interception so far in an NFL training camp. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the defense, some other storylines, some injury updates coming up here in just a moment, folks. But before we do that, I have to tell you about one of the sponsors of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You get all the latest news, odds, and sporting info on all your favorite sports, including the NFL, NHL, MLB, NBA, and all of your UFC and MMA action in one place, BetOnline.ag. With football season fast approaching, you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game and make some money this upcoming season. Specifically with the Broncos in the preseason, we have the Hall of Fame game coming up this Thursday Get in the action at Bet Online. And I want you to head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today. And when you sign up, use promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Continuing on with our Broncos Monday, day five recap at the UC Health Training Center here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. 
Starting things off with some news and notes, we talked a little bit about the quarterback competition to start off the show. Teddy Bridgewater having a bounce-back day, which was needed for him. The competition is still ongoing, folks. And on Tuesday, the pads come on, which is exciting in and of itself. You'll be able to get a little bit more of a gauge as to how players are doing. You get to see the physical standpoint kind of carry over a little bit more, though you're not going to attack your quarterbacks. But both quarterbacks, Teddy and Drew, they will have pressure in their face. But let's get to some other news and notes here. Bobby Massey, for the third straight practice, was able to get first-team reps at the right tackle position. He did have a false start early on in the first series, so we'll see if that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Now, for me, I look at these things like false starts. When we look at a player, and if we look at teams that are the most penalized by false starts, those plays right there really have a lot to do with a lack of focus, right? Or overthinking before a play. So for example, if you as an offensive lineman, you hear the call, you hear the cadence. So you know, if it's going to go on one, if it's going to go on two, if you jump, that tells me that you're thinking about something else, right? And look, you don't, want to not think, but you don't want to overthink when you're on the football field because then you can't play free. You can't play loose. However, if you're as an offensive lineman, if I'm at right tackle specifically, if I'm Bobby Massey, all right, now if I've got an outside linebacker to the outside of me right here, I'm looking at him. Okay, he's the threat I have to protect. He can't come free off the edge or else he's going to hit my quarterback. I'm thinking about, okay, how can I block him? But at the same exact time, I have a defensive end who's lined up on the inside shoulder of me in a four eye. Where do I protect well, first, you have to protect inside out. And sometimes you can communicate with the guard right next to you. Hey, I need some help here. So specifically, if I'm Bobby Massey, if I have a four eye right here and there's no near threat to that guard where he's not going to have to help the center in a one on one, then I'm saying, hey, I need some help here. I need you to chip this four eye so we can double team here. Once this outside backer steps wide, I can leave. You can pick him up. I can take the outside pass rusher there. It's just communication. So when you're having these penalties of false starts, it just goes to you're thinking too much, you're overanalyzing, and then you can have this paralysis by analysis approach. But look, this is preseason training camp, folks. Mistakes are going to happen. Penalties are going to happen. But you want to see them clean that up. You don't want that to come into the regular season to become a lingering issue. Now, I think last year the Broncos, for the most part, were one of the least penalized teams in the NFL to start the season. You have to maintain that. And it just goes back to discipline, knowing what your job, what your assignment is. And if the Broncos can get on the same accord with that, I think that they'll be fine. But Mike Munchak, Chris Cooper, they're doing a phenomenal job with the Broncos offensive line group. I wouldn't worry too much about it. But the storyline for me going into Tuesday's practice, first day in pads, baby, is who starts at right tackle when you actually have some contact in these team periods. That, to me, is going to be a big key that I'm looking forward to on Tuesday's practice. But outside of that, uh, some other observations, too. Natani Muti noticed was getting some second-team reps at the left guard position. I know we've talked about Moody maybe being a right guard option, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. It could be a depth option, but I think that Moody will be either a good backup at the left guard or the right guard spot. And if worse comes to worse, you have Quinn Miners there. But in that second team series, you have Quinn Miners working at the center position. And so you have Moody at left guard, you have Miners at the center position, and then Calvin Anderson was getting right tackle reps there and can play both right and left. So just some rotation stuff that the Broncos are going through. There's no definitive analysis based on you know how the competition is going just yet, though I am surprised that we haven't seen Cam Fleming get some first team reps to start training camp. So really it kind of boils down between Bobby Massey and Calvin Anderson, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to continue to watch this here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast, and we'll see how things go when the Broncos have their week one right tackle named, hopefully sooner than the quarterback competition position is going to be announced. Hopefully we have a little bit more clarity on that. But two Broncos players had their first interception 
of training camp, and one of them is going to be Broncos quarterback Drew Locke in seven-on-seven. He threw his first pick to Patrick Sertan, who came away with a fantastic play. Now, on this coverage here, there was an in-breaking route, but Pat Sertan was playing underneath zone coverage. There was coverage over the top, and it was a throw that Drew Locke had tried to telegraph to the outside. But Pat Sertan, one thing that stood out to me he diagnosed it. He was playing underneath, and he's so deceptive, and he's so lengthy because he read it. Deontay Spencer was coming past him. He saw that the ball was thrown. All of a sudden, he just rose up for outstretched arms interception, and he took it to the house. So Drew Locke's first interception of camp, you saw that. But Pat Sertan, man, he looks the part. He looks fun. He's smart, and he's just a big guy. So the Broncos, look, I, I've talked about Pat Sertan quite a bit here on the show. I'm a huge fan of what he can do. I'm a DB guy, so it's going to be so fun watching him play. And how much will we see him play in the preseason? He got some more reps with the first-team defensive unit today inside the base package. So I think we're going to see things ramp up a little bit more for the Broncos' first-round rookie, who had noted that Alabama fall practices were actually a lot more difficult than the NFL practices. Nick Saban has those guys going through hell, but that's why Alabama is consistently a top program. Now, when you get to the NFL, there's obviously these labor laws that you have to follow, so the CBA mandates. You can't have as much physical practice as you were maybe at the NCAA level, which it could open up a conversation down the road that maybe the NCAA will revisit that in the future. But as of right now, I doubt it. But outside of that, good news for the Broncos. First round draft selection in this year's NFL draft. Looking forward to see Sertan play. Bradley Chubb also made his return to team drills. Now he had a few reps. He didn't have a lot, but he made his return to team drills for the first time. On Monday, I expect that to ramp up a little bit. Similar to what we saw the Broncos do with Emmanuel Sanders and Vic Fangio's first year. Sanders was coming off of that torn Achilles, and they eased him in. He would get a couple of plays here and there, maybe some situational football. But outside of that, I wouldn't expect to see Bradley Chubb take on a full-on caseload. He did meet with the media after practice on Monday, and he noted that he is going to be 100% ready for the Week 1 season opener on the road at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. So we look at these nuances there. You have to love that. Outside of that, Teddy Bridgewater also threw an interception in seven on seven to undrafted rookie free agent Curtis Robinson out of Stanford, a player who is fighting for a roster spot. And with the injury to Josie Jewell, who will now be out at least 10 days, according to Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, it creates more opportunities for Josh Watson, Curtis Robinson, and Justin Sternod to get more reps at inside backer. This could be a very critical point of the Broncos offseason and training camp, specifically at inside backer. Now on paper, we projected to be Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, but if one of these young guys can rise up the ladder really quickly, hey, look out. The Broncos might have some good options there, some athletic guys that they can put into various situations. So we're continuing to monitor that position battle as it is ongoing. Austin Fort continues to impress in the Broncos training camp battle for tight end three alongside Eric Saubert and Andrew Beck. Really nothing right now that has separated any of those players. Preseason action, I think, will be a big determining factor as to where the Broncos go with tight end threes. So I'm excited to see that as well. So a lot to follow on that, but Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk a little bit about the discrepancies between 7-on-7 seven seven versus 11-on-11 11 11 as it pertains to quarterback, defensive back, safety, running backs, wide receivers, and the misconceptions that we see and why 11-on-11 11 11 is more important in terms of evaluation than 7-on-7. Seven seven. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment, but before we do that, folks, I have to tell you about the other sponsor of today's episode of the show. That's a good friend's over there, rockauto.com. And if you need anything for your car or your truck, rockauto.com has everything. They're a family-owned business that's been serving people online for over 20 years. 
rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. And when you go to these places, often at times you are going to be interrogated by the person behind the counter trying to figure out if they have the parts in their warehouse available for order. You don't have to worry about that with rockauto.com. And if you need anything, like I said, they have everything at rockauto.com. Prices are always reliably low, whether you're professional or do-it-yourself, or you get the luxury of having the parts delivered directly to your doorstep. That is tremendous value for me as I'm constantly on the go. I don't have time to sit and wait around. And they have everything that you can eat from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet for your vehicle. I myself bought a new steering wheel cover, floor mats for my car, rockauto.com. They delivered it directly to my doorstep. And I want you to be able to get whatever you need for your vehicle, whether you're renovating something in your garage as a project, or if you just need something in general, rockauto.com has you covered. So head to the website right now and search for all the parts available for your car or truck and write Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about his box? so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts of your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Getting into the fourth quarter action of today's episode, Locked on Broncos. There's a conversation going on on social media about players throwing interceptions or touchdowns in seven on seven. I want to talk about it from the landscape of a quarterback to receivers to defensive backs and, and going through which is more important. Yes, seven on seven has value. You can get a lot of reps in your passing game there, but the reality is the defenses know it's a pass, so you don't have that element where they have to respect the run in seven on seven. Defenses know that, hey, they're going to throw the ball. It allows me to refine my coverage, my alignment, and I can adjust based on different sets. And we can work on different things as a secondary. For quarterbacks, it's like, okay, we need to go through our reads and our progressions. I can go from my first read to second read to third read and then find it. And if it's not there, throw the ball away. You don't have a lot of time to throw in seven on seven. It's about four seconds before they blow the play dead. But outside of that, I think a lot of people are taking too much stock into touchdowns completions, interceptions that are thrown in seven on seven versus 11 on 11. Ladies and gentlemen, when we watch the game on Sundays, what do we see? We see 11 on 11. And I think that in practice, specifically in training camp, if you're having competition in any position, whether it is your tight end position, running back competition, quarterback, if you're on the defensive side, if you have defensive line, linebacker, corner, safety competitions going on, 11 on 11 is going to be where the evaluation by coaches, the data that they compile, is much more valuable to them in terms of making decisions that will benefit the organization. You're not going to get that in seven on seven. Skelly period is a little bit of a different animal, but for the most part, 11 on 11 is when coaches really dive into the tape and they see what a quarterback did or didn't do. They look at every position. So I want to go through Monday's practice at the UCL training center. The Broncos engaged in a move the ball period. And you saw Teddy Bridgewater have success moving the ball downfield for the Broncos. He had a couple of touchdown conversions there, but for the most part, he led the Broncos downfield to be able to kick a couple of field goals put them in field goal range now yes i get it you want to come away with a touchdown rather than three points but as i think broncos fans are accustomed to knowing would you rather come away with three points or zero points on a promising drive right defenses will tighten up in the red zone i mean the broncos last year defensively they gave up some plays in the middle of the field and even on the back end of the field but when they got in the red zone they tightened up really well and they held teams to field goals. Think about how many games the Broncos lost by maybe three points, seven points, six points, single digits, just in general. And the Broncos offense have left so many points out on the field in the last couple of years. You have to come away with some takeaways. Brandon McManus obviously had a pretty good day of practice, one from 65, one from 60, one from 55. He missed one uh, from 47 wide left. But, you know, for the most part, you want to come away with points there. Now, I think that when you look at seven on seven, you can refine as a quarterback. As we look at the Broncos quarterback competition, you can refine your ball placement, your decision making. 
Because, yes, you're going to have guys that are covered, but you need to understand where the open guy will be coming. Now, in 11-on-11, it's going to be so different, specifically on Tuesday when pads are on, and you're going to have a defensive lineman trying to create interior penetration in the backfield. You have your edge rushers coming off the edge, and you might have tighter coverage. It's going to be so critical for the Broncos quarterbacks to buckle down and make the right plays. Decision-making is going to be the biggest key. Now, on Monday, Drew Locke probably didn't have the best decision-making as we go back to 7-on-7. Like I said, I'm not going to take too much stock into his pick in 7-on-7, but his pick in 11-on-11 to end practice and the Broncos' newest signing at cornerback that they brought in. Rojesterman Ferris out of Hawaii, a newly signed player, ended the practice on Monday with an interception. Now, it was a single receiver, Trinity Benson, to the right side. He ran a slant route. He ran an outside release. Drew Locke threw the ball a little too far on the inside there, and Ferris came up with an interception. Good play by him. Now, you're seeing different things out there about the receiver ran the route short or stopped. It's a slant route. You have a certain angle. If Coach Zakazani is teaching these receivers, you're going to outside release one step, two step, plant that outside foot, come back inside, the ball needs to hit you as soon as you're breaking on the end. Now, if you're throwing it too far inside, look, there's a window. There's a safety here in the middle of the field, and there's a corner more than likely either head up Inside leverage, depending on if it's a single receiver side or outside, depending on the coverage, if they're running man or zone. Now, as a receiver, if I'm running this slant route to the inside, that ball needs to be directly in front of me. If it's too far inside, that's where the linebacker is, the safety over the top, and then the cornerback, it's a delta. It's a triangle there. So you have to be safe in those passing windows when you do that. And Drew didn't have a good throw in that regard there in terms of putting the ball in a harm's way. So now for Drew Locke, he had a rough day on Monday in comparison to Teddy, who had a bounce-back day. On Tuesday's practice, can Drew Locke bounce back? Yes, I get it, Broncos country. I try not to just focus on the quarterback competition, but that's the big storyline right now. That's why I try to sprinkle in all the other bits and pieces here. But for me, continuing to look at Broncos quarterbacks improving, one of the questions we had this week is, can any of these quarterbacks gain separation? As of right now, that's not the case. It's been pretty dead set even. One guy will have a good day. Drew Locke had two good days in a row, but then followed up Monday with not as good of a day as Teddy Bridgewater. The, the data is still too small at this point for us to be keeping track or having a scoreboard or saying, okay, this guy's in the lead because the reality is Broncos coaches, they're laughing at all of us who get into this whole quarterback scoreboard thing. It's just not realistic to what they have going on and their internal discussions about personnel. They have more data. They have more knowledge on the play what went right, what went wrong than we do because we see things and we make these assumptions. But the reality is we have to stick to level-headed football objective-based takes here. And my understanding of the game, I just want to help make football fans smarter. If you don't know the game of football too well, I want to help bridge the gap there. I'm not telling you that my opinion is superior. Absolutely not. My opinion is my opinion, but I factor my opinion based on my experience as a player, as a coach, working on the football administrative side in the personnel department, doing those things. That's why I bring this information to my perspective here. But I also understand the fan perspective. And there's also a lot of opinions out there that don't agree with me or or the things that I say. But here's the deal. I respect your opinion. I'll never be disrespectful to you. Uh, but let's have a conversation. Let's, let's talk about why I see things the way I see things. Let's talk about why you have the opinion that you have. That's all I'm here for, ladies and gentlemen. So I appreciate you staying patient and doing your due diligence of tuning in every single day here to lock on Broncos podcast Broncos camp day six tomorrow the pads come on baby I'm so excited about it we're going to keep our eyes on some of the storylines as well we see a little bit of an increase in workload from Bradley Chubb he did make his return to team drills as we talked about earlier I imagine they're going to keep him probably on the same pitch count for the next week or so I don't expect him to play in next week's preseason game 
against the Minnesota Vikings, but 11 days away from Broncos football being on TV, and you're going to get coverage, instant reaction after the game here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. But Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the show. Hope you came away with some key takeaways. We talked about day five of Broncos camp, Teddy Bridgewater bouncing back, Drew Locke having some struggles, but for the most part, nothing definitive in the quarterback competition. Bobby Massey at right tackle for the third consecutive day. The injury front, you have Mike Purcell out a week, Josie Jewell out at least 10 days as they deal with injuries respectively. And Baron Browning might be close to returning. He feels good, but the Broncos medical staff, they're being a little bit precautionary on rushing him back. We're going to react to this and so much more this week here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button here on YouTube or your favorite audio podcasting platform. Until tomorrow, I'm Cody Roark, host of the show. We'll see you then.